Welcome everyone to the top of Mount Manitoba, and this is the Hall of Fame show with myself, Kirk Buckner, and and Evan Evan Nolan. There we go, and a couple and a couple of fans barking around your table, just off to your yeah. I, I wasn't sure if you were hear that, but if you do hear those barks, that's uh, Jasper the friendly Corgi and his little sister. Uh, Winnie the Jet uh, Dashin. You can follow them on Jasper yeah. underscore the friendly Gordy. They're just going to go. Let's just let them do that, what they're going to do. They'll stop. Understood. Yes. But we and, also... And, uh, I was going to say, and I, I know you're high above Mount Manitoba there, but my Bruins and your Jets played tonight. And uh, the Jets put up a valiant fight. But... We tried. Yeah. We yeah. tried. Hey, more than bad. But we also run the fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame, the fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the United States Athletic Hall of Fame. Because nobody in the United States ever came up with that. So we did. Yeah, we needed we needed uh, an American and a Canadian who is at that point in Barbados to come up with it. So, <laughs> Or something to that effect. And you can vote on that. www lots of w's a dot not in hall of fame.com forward slash usa and our first class is going to be coming up early next year so yes and here's the great thing about that because it's great going to be a great segue to what we're going to open up with the people who are going to get into that class is all decided by all of you all of you so my vote evan's vote other people's votes are the same as everyone else's as for the Basketball Hall of Fame, which we're going to open up with here, I think. Yep. I don't know who votes for that at all. Do they know who votes for that? Because I'm not sure of that either. Yeah, no. And they, they very well may not be. Uh, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame has announced their 2023, they call it finalists, but it's not. It's nominees. Mm -hmm. And... It's six different categories. It's a lot of names. <sighs> yeah, it, it, it's a lot of names, and we're not going to go through them all because we're not. We're not. If we were to do that and actually give them all credit, this would take 12 hours, and we're not going to do that. So let's just go through a few people who are important in terms of being nominated, which are Dirk Nowitzki. Dwayne Wade, Tony mm -hmm. Parker, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and Paul Gasol. Paul Gasol. And then mm -hmm. one person who got nominated that was sort of who was elevated in, so, in some places, Greg Popovich. Mm. Now, Greg Popovich, I think, is a basketball Hall of Famer. I think you would agree with that, right? I don't see how anyone could disagree with that. Right. But we don't know how he became a nominee. What do you mean? Why is he why why is he qualified now? What are the rules? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, because because there are lots of active college coaches yeah. who get inducted, but it's rare to have an active professional coach. So he's a first ballot now uh, nominee, and I, I would vote for him. But how was he now this at the stage? 
Nobody knows. I don't know. You don't know. I wonder if the people who are voting even know. Yeah, I don't know. And this is not a shot of Greg. I love Greg. I love Greg Popovich. But what the hell? To borrow an Evanism, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. I do say that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, say no. that, I say that in meetings at work, too. So it's not just here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there's something really off here. And I think for the sport of basketball, which is, in my opinion, and you, you being in the U.S. and me being in Canada, I, I, I don't know for sure. I feel that basketball, when I was a kid, when I was in the early 90s, late 80s, basketball was way behind baseball and football. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I mean, and I grew, I grew up in Boston. Larry Bird was God. But mm -hmm. basketball, well, basketball was second in Boston at that play, point. It was the Red Sox and the Celtics and the Bruins. And then we allegedly had a football team. <laughs> So if we were to agree that basketball is past baseball, fine. But He's the Hall of Fame hasn't. No. Basketball Hall of Fame is a mess. And this is part of it. Greg Popovich is now allegedly a first ballot Hall of Famer, but how how do we get here? And we don't know how that he got here. Huh? Yeah, I was just thinking about uh, the uh, Talking Head song. Well, how did I get here? <laughs> let, let your, I can't do it. Yeah, I I have a T-shirt yeah. that has that uh, with pie, a like a pie chart of uh, this is not my beautiful house, it's not my beautiful wife. It just goes mm. around. And, uh, you may ask yourself, and you may ask yourself. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because, like, some of the other people here are um, John Beeline is here. But, like mm -hmm. I said, a lot of college coaches. John Beeline's also a first ballot, allegedly. Uh, Jim Laranega is a first ballot, allegedly. Uh, Stan Spiru, who I honestly don't know as well, is a first ballot here. So it's, it's, it's hard to figure out what the actual rules are. Um, and it's yeah, impossible I mean, to know because we don't even know who decides this. Correct. We don't know who decides it. We don't know who's on the committee. The whole thing is a mess. And, or maybe it's not a mess, but. It's just, it's just happening in secret. Right. And it hurts that hall. Mm -hmm. badly. And I get it to a point as we're doing our thing with uh, with our mock committees and whatnot we we get comments to what we're doing i understand that if you are part of any actual committee not to denigrate what we're doing i think we are a real committee and whatnot but maybe you don't want a bunch of people sort of like messaging you and and this that and the other thing but it, one thing we're always going to be evan we're transparent we are indeed they're not, and it hurts them and it hurts their future badly. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it in real time. Yeah. 
That said, they do have our top, your top six people nominated this year in one way or another. Nowitzki, Wade, Gasol, Max Zaslovsky, Zez- yeah, uh, Tony um, Parker, and Cha- Chauncey Billups. So I suppose so, but what did Sean Kemp do? <laughs> a lot of never mind. I'm not going to answer that thing. Ah, oh, well done, well done. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that alone. But I didn't say who did Sean Kemp do. <laughs> yeah yeah so who knows i mean it, that that's part of it too because it's not like there's a an overall committee as far as we know on these things making these decisions it just sort of happens for any of these committees because apparently there are six committees uh one for the men one for the modern women one for international one for okay i've, I've already blanked out because i know there's six different groups yeah, so the groups are North American women's uh, international direct elect, women's veteran direct elect, contributor direct elect, and veterans direct elect. Mm-hmm. Direct elect is just fun to say. I'm not going to lie. Direct elect. Yeah. Yeah. So, But I mean, one of the other things that we talked about on this quickly when we saw it is when the veterans committee, so vet- players who are up here on the veterans committee are Dick Barnett, Freddie Brown, Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Love, Willie Knowles, and Paul Silas. Oh, and Max Zaslovsky. Yeah. Uh, in case anyone's wondering who that was when he retired, he was the third all-time leading scorer in the NBA and the youngest member of the all-NBA team uh, up until some guy named LeBron James broke his record. Um, but Paul Silas, who passed away earlier this week, we'll get to him later, just mm-hmm. seems like looking at this list, one of the likely person yeah. to put in and it's just a little too late yeah uh just going to max uh in terms of votes from all of you you all love max when i first put this all together in terms of the basketball uh rankings he was not in the he was in the top 40 he was not in the top 10 mm-hmm. you did that mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, a lot of people, a lot of you love Max Zaslavsky. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I just want to sort of like say that. Uh, my elevator. Uh, I'm sort of segueing out. Of- elevator up, elevator down. Here, uh, my elevator up, elevator down. Oh, so, uh, but, but before you get to that, though, yeah, uh, who do you expect to be elected out of the players? Okay, well, I mean, I think uh, Dwayne and uh, Dirk are going to get a win for sure. Uh, the real question to me is who's going to be left behind out of Powell and Tony Parker? Because mm-hmm. usually they only do three. Right. Uh, three players, that is. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So three of those. So like that I can't figure out. So to me, it's like who's going to get through between Powell and, and Parker because both of them are very similar to me. Both have NBA pedigree, NBA titles, and international pedigree. I don't have a clue out of those two who they're going to like more. My gut says Powell. Mm -hmm. But if it's going to be Parker over Powell, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I don't think anyone's... I mean, someone's going to be upset no matter what. Someone's going to be Chris Bosh in the situation uh, and be upset that they're not getting the first time. What? Or they might put them both. Or they could put them both, I suppose. Because that's the other problem with this hall is there's not a set number so we don't know 
And we have shit on the Pro Football Hall of Fame a lot in terms of that. But at least we know how many they're going to do. With this, I don't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could, the, the, the two things you can be sure of at the basketball hall is that there's going to be a whole bunch of people who get in who you probably have never heard of. And oh, for sure. And that uh, no matter what happens, one of those people will not be Lita Andrews. So I think this is her like ninth or tenth time, probably as a finalist coming up here. So uh, before I forget, so. Uh... Evan and I, we uh, quarterbacked uh, something uh, a couple of days ago. And thank you to all who were part of that. Uh, we run a mock Hall of Fame committee. We may or may not do this for basketball. I don't know if we ever will. I don't think we can. I think we need to know the rules before we can do it. Yeah, exactly. But we did know the rules for football. And we did our first live show. And thank you for those who watched. Thanks you for those who participated. And thank you for your patience while I tabulated the scores. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone had to do it. Well, because because usually I do that while you guys are talking and they come in, I do it automatically. But I had to. I wait. was plugging away, and then I did yeah. the best I could. <laughs> well, I, I had to wait while people were still looking at the chart. It was a problem, so I couldn't no. just get off the screen. I tried on paper, and it failed miserably. So wham, I go back. Wham. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, but so. it's just something as we grow. Uh, you know, the great thing with Evan and I, we'll admit we're work in progress. Of course. We're just we're just two guys, guys. <laughs> That's we're literally great. like two yeah. people who happen to like something. Uh, and who found a bunch of other people who like this shit, too. That's true. Uh, find so a community. That's the one thing we'll say about Twitter, no matter what happens with it, it helped us find a community of people who care about the same crap we do. Amen. Amen. Because, like, that for me is like, and I said that to you uh, last week. That's Twitter for me. It's just finding people that I like. And uh, special thanks to Jack Silverstein uh, at Rejack who on Twitter. I got to find, I got to find a way to grab a drink with that guy. Seeing as we live like within half hours. I would think. We got to figure that out. Jack, if you're listening, let's figure that out soon. After the holidays, let's get through holidays. But after, after holidays. Jack Jack even substituted for you once. That is true. It's yeah. tough to do it today. It's been snowing all day, and it's currently negative one outside. Oh, um, man. Yeah. So, so as you, as we you called in Winnipeg, June. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it's, it's nothing a couple shots of Malort can't fix. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's, let, let's transition back to your elevator up, elevator down. Well, okay. Elevator up, elevator down is – and for those wondering – who in the last week has made an elevator up cause for their Hall of Fame? Who who has went down? And this is going to be a long one, and you're going to help here. Okay. Because I'm looking at the Pro Bowls for elevator. Okay. Are you, I'm sorry, say that again? The Pro Bowls. The Pro Bowls. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, like there, there's been a lot there that we can sort of look at. Uh, some, I, I'm not going to go elevator down for any of that, but, uh, I, I just want to give a few that, cause with pretty much, you've got to like land a pro bowl. If you're going to get into the hall of fame, uh, personally, I'm not a huge pro bowl guy. I'm not in the voter mm-hmm. body, but anything like that, but 
because I, I I I believe in all pros first team second team more because mm-hmm. the Pro Bowls come out or the season's over and. If you look, there's been a lot of times where people have won a Pro Bowl but did not go to an All-Pro. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I just want to like point out a few people who I think are helped out quite a bit. Uh, first out is a wide receiver from Miami, Tyreek Hill. 100%. Yeah. Who is now a Pro Bowl for the seventh time. To be fair, uh, the first couple, I might be wrong in the first couple, but the first one at least, uh, Tyreek won that as a returner. But uh, Tyreek Hill is very much like someone we've talked about a lot in terms of, you know, sort of like falling apart in their career, and I hope that doesn't happen uh, with him, but with 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 Tyreek, this is his best year ever as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. By far. Uh, he mm-hmm. set a record for the best yards in terms of any Miami Dolphin. It's been iconic. We've seen the flips. Does that shit matter? I think it does because I think also doing our mock committee, we've seen some people who were putting some deep thoughts into analytics some people who are doing deep thoughts into eye tests and some people who are looking at traditional stats i don't think that's any different from the people who are actually looking at it what do you think yeah i agree yeah yeah i mean i i think that uh tyreek getting away from Mahomes. It's still being dominant certainly helped his better chances later. Significant. Yeah. yeah so it almost you, makes you forget the domestic abusive violations. Well, that's sort of like why I said like I he like kind of sort of like go away from that Antonio Brown thing. So yeah. like he needs it more than some others. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Baltimore, I'm going to go with uh, kicker Justin Tucker. Uh, when mm-hmm. we did our mock thing, as much as we all agree that Shane Leckler is the best punter who should be in the Hall of Fame, nowhere close. He did not even, yeah, he did not even come close in our committee, and apparently in the other one either. Yeah, I, I do. Have, I, sorry, I do have to say this about these things. So there are a couple people on this thing. I'm just like, what are they doing here? Did anybody watch football this year? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh did anyone think Devontae Adams was one of the three best wide receivers in the AFC this year? All right, since, since we're here, uh, he's another elevator up for me, and no, I did not. But as time passes, he gets that in his quiver. Yeah. I mean, another one on here, and this is I love the player, but what are we talking about? J, uh, TJ Watt of the Steelers had four sacks in seven games and hasn't played the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. How is he the third outside linebacker? I agree. Uh, for me, Devontae was more of an elevator up and TJ was nothing. Right. It doesn't help TJ at all because of the lost season. I just, I just, there's just sometimes you're like, this one seems almost like the go glove for Rafi Palmero to me. <laughs> like, he's a big name. He didn't right. really have the time. What are we doing? So, 
But my biggest one out of all of them, I'm not going to go through them all, is uh, Trent Williams. Okay. Uh, so Trent Williams is now a 10-time Pro Bowler at left hockey. That makes it. 10's a lot. 10 is an awful lot. Uh, Trent has not has only been a first-team All-Pro, I believe, once. I could be wrong on that. Mm. Uh, and we've had our committee where Ruben Brown, who's a nine-time Pro Bowler, I don't know if he's ever been a first-team All-Pro. I could be wrong on that. Uh, where... But, but this stuff matters and like offensive tackles it, it's funny like we were talking about how much wide receivers are backed up mm-hmm. didn't talk enough about offensive tackles or offensive linemen and trent williams is someone who i'll admit for me personally he's not completely on my radar mm-hmm. maybe he should be Yes, I don't think that right now there was a massive backup five years ago on the offensive linemen. Uh, yeah. Right now, there isn't a backup, mainly because some of the people they should be looking at, they're not. Like we had we had both Tom Nalen and uh, Richmond Webb, neither of whom are have been a finalist yet. They Willie Anderson has been. Or semi-finalists. Right. Uh, Willie Anderson has been, but we didn't put him in. But so my point is, there isn't like at the moment the offensive lineman backup uh, that there is for others. I mean, Logan Mankins has been a semifinalist. Uh, Jeff Saturday, I don't know if his coaching tenure with the uh, Colts is an elevator down for him. Um, Honestly, I've been I've been kicking that around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so I mean, there are some out there. Uh, Steve Wisniewski. Is someone else who's right been overlooked, right? But again, hasn't really met the radar. So I don't feel it's a backup as there is with they have was it twenty eight people on their list right now, and six of them or seven of them are wide receivers, right? So, but but I wonder how they're going to sort of like look at a, a, a ten time now a ten time Pro Bowler, and Trent, someone we forget, or maybe just me. Because uh, a lot of his years were with Washington when they were not the Washington uh, when I was a kid. Right. You know, and he bet on himself, said, like, okay, you're, you're messing with my head, literally, if you look at the whole story behind that, in, in terms of uh, the whole surgery and, like, uh, and, and whatnot. And he was right. This should be a bigger story, and it's not. This should be Andrew Whitworth worthy. I mm-hmm. honestly believe that. Mm-hmm. And if San Francisco, I don't think they will, but if they win the whole thing this year, I hope that this propels Trent Williams to a Pro Football Hall of Fame or a Football Hall of Fame nom- uh, like nomination. Yeah, it's po- it's possible. Like Possible. I hope he gets the same attention that Whitworth did. I, I really do. Cool. Uh, here's a question for you. Someone who's sure. not on this list, who is, I believe, a 10-time Pro Bowler, mm-hmm. is Matthew Slater. Yeah, I, I looked at he him. Hurt, is he hurt at this point by somebody else yes. getting there because of his position? Yes. Huge. Yeah. It's great. It's interesting. I mean, this is this may very well be Slater's last year. Mm-hmm. Um but he's been the gold standard for that position. Had he retired, he may have been better off than being on the seven and seven and probably going to be 
no better than eight and nine Pats team. Yeah. Um, oh, that's not sure good with uh with what Kraft did. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because that was awesome. So I, yeah. I was hoping you would do that, but. Uh, no, no, he he's uh, an elevator down. I didn't think of it that way. I wanted to focus on some of the ups, but yeah, I, this is one of those ones I yeah. was thinking. Uh, that's Matthew Slater. I love the fact he's just has a wide receiver still. Um, <laughs> yeah, so true. He has been a ten, yeah, he's a ten-time Pro Bowler, two thousand eleven through seventeen and nineteen through twenty-one. So he missed one, uh, but five-time first or second team All Pro. Three times Super Bowl champion, champion, Bart Star Award, Art Rooney Award winner. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, but th- those were my focus. Fair uh, enough. You know, especially in terms of offensive line, because you know, especially too when we, as we're doing our mock ones, how many of us are sort of like focusing on the stats that we know, which are Pro right. Bowl, first team, second team, whatever. And or or some or some ranking system like uh, Pro Football Reference has, trying to determine or, who, who goes where. Right, or some fake ones that we don't even know are true. Yeah, Anderson slash Willie. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I feel bad saying that because I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, it will be interesting to see, but I, he's the only offensive lineman on their list right now, so he's got as good a chance as anyone to get in even though Richmond deserves it more. So, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's my elevator. The anti-Dolphins we'll elevator down later if we want to do that, or do we want to okay. do that? Well, we'll, co- we'll come back to the elevator down. Do you want to do the... Uh, Those who we lost. Yeah, so you, we can come back. Yeah, because we lost a massive person. Yeah. So... Yeah, but go um, ahead. All right. So, this is the uh, folks we've lost this week from the various things around us. We did lose, again, the, the beige mistress, Took Georgi Tumpik, the uh, bronze medal winner in the 1956 uh, Olympic Games in Melbourne in the 200-meter butterfly, uh, passed away at the age of a lot. Uh, he was 93. Almost he was going to be 94 in less than a month. Love what we said that. Age of a lot. Age of a lot. Uh, when it makes me do math, it's hard. Um, uh one other person I want to bring up who passed away this week only because he was a major part of my life and actually knowing something about him got me out of a bar fight once. Uh, Cadillac Frank Salemi passed away. Uh, one of the main people in the Boston mob. Uh, passed away at the age of 89. Really the enforcer for Whitey Bulger. Um, uh, I was in a bar in Buenos Aires, Argentina with two of my female friends and two very short guys with slick back hair tried to pay me to have sex with them. Uh, and I said, they're not my girls. Uh, that's not why they're here. Uh, just walk away, gentlemen. And then they came back and told me that they were in the Sicilian mafia. And I took everything I knew about Cadillac, Frank Salemi, having grown up in the Boston area, and just threw it back at them about how Cadillac Frank was my neighbor and that we knew him very well and on the protection all the stuff like, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry. And they backed away. So they try to get me to go outside to have the discussion with them, which I refuse to do. But yeah, so knowing about Cadillac Frank Salemi got me out of a bar fight in uh, in at an Irish bar in Buenos Aires in 1999. It sounds like it got you out a lot more than that. Yeah, it may have. So 
He was a terrible, terrible man who killed a lot of people. But he got you out of a bar. But fight. he got me out of a bar fight. So there we oh, go. There you go. That's uh, a but he passed away at the age of eighty-nine. Uh, everybody else I have this week has something to do with all the sports that we follow here. Okay. Uh, first of all, a uh, member of the CFL's uh, Edmonton Elks was killed in a gunfight in Mississippi. Mm. Uh, Christ- Christian Salisbury, who led the team in uh, return yards. Uh, this year passed away at the age of 25. He was shot in Mississippi. Mm. Uh, from the world of basketball, a name that I hadn't thought of in a while uh, passed away. Lewis Orr passed away mm. uh, at age yeah. 64. Played for the Pacers and Knicks in the 80s and then was head coach at Siena and Seton Hall and my wife's alma mater, Bowling Green. And plays like that. His numbers retired by the uh, Syracuse Orange. He was a MAC coach of the year in 2009, the Big East coach of the year at Seton Hall in 2003. Um, passed away. He was actually working with Patrick Ewing at mm-hmm. uh, at Georgetown as his assistant. They passed away at melanoma at the age of 64. I love how every time I think of Bowling Green, I think of your wife, who I've never met. <laughs> yeah, and it's not the one in Kentucky. It's the Bowling Green. Right, yeah, no, you know, I, uh, the fact uh, that we have two major cities, or I guess I wouldn't say Bowling Green, Ohio is a major city. The fact that we have two cities in the United States named Bowling Green is kind of weird enough. No, as I, I think of it very specifically. Uh, uh, my wife and I, we went on like a road trip. The, the, the football stadium was open and we were like throwing a football there in that stadium. Wow. I told you that, I think. Yeah, I, you have. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. My my wife was there uh, when was it Rob Blake? I think was there a hockey player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I'm the like, hockey games there are great. Rob Blake, he didn't play there. I think who? Hold on, it's a some defenseman. I let me make sure I have the right one. Yeah. Bowling Green hockey player. Yeah. Yeah, we were running around. Well, while you're looking at that, yeah, we were running around the field just being goose. Mm. Couldn't believe that I could. Well, she didn't care, but like I was thinking, like, oh my god, it's on the Mac field. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see, who was it? I have Paul Isabart went there. Uh, oh, okay. Gary mm-hmm. Galley went there, but that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was Rob Blake. Rob Blake played at uh, Bowling Green. Bowling Green. Rob Blake, Gary Galley, and Dave Ellett are the three Bowling Green alumni with the most games in the NHL. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, look what I learned today. Ken Clee, Greg DeVries, Nelson Emerson. Uh, who else we got? Ken Morrow. Paul Isabart, holy Sean, Sean Sean Pronger, yeah, I know, I know all of those guys. Yep, Mark Potvin. All right, well, George McPhee. There you go. There are a bunch Thank of you, people. Mrs. Nolan. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right, moving on. Uh, from the world of hockey, we lost Barry Cullen, who played for the Maple Leafs, Red Wings in the fifties and early sixties. Better known as the father of John Cullen, though, uh, the longtime hockey player. He passed away at the age of 87. Uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Steve Smoger, who is a referee, 
uh, uh, title bouts, mostly in Atlantic City. Um, although he just holds the distinction of officiating more states and countries than any other boxing referee in the history of boxing. Well, someone has to. Yeah. So he is a member of the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame and the International Boxing Hall of Fame. So, uh, yeah, it, when they had the original Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame, the original ones were him, Don King, and Michael Spinks were the original people in Atlantic City Boxing <laughs> Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, but yeah, he passed away at the age of 72. Uh, we also lost from baseball guy who played with a lot of other really good players, Denny Doyle. Uh, passed away at the age of 78, played with the Phillies, uh, Angels, and was the second baseman on that Red Sox team that won the greatest World Series game that ever that was ever played in 1975. Um, but yeah, he passed away at the age of 78. There are a lot of people out there, Fred Lynn, Yastrzemski, uh, a whole bunch of other people were, came out talking about him. So, mm -hmm. Also has the distinction, I believe, of being the only person to have a hit off of Nolan Ryan twice in one-hit games. So Nolan Ryan had the seven no-hitters. Like, like how do you have a hit off somebody on a, twice on a one-hit game? Oh, okay. Two times in his oh. career. I was, I was explaining, but when you interrupted. Uh, Ryan has, the I think, seven no-hitters and something like 14 one-hitters, and two of those one-hitters, uh, Denny Doyle had the only hit against him. Sorry, my math is terrible. Uh, that's okay. Uh, also passed away, Gary Nafelk, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, member of the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame, played at the Cart Chicago Cardinals, Packers, and one season with the 49ers, uh, wide receiver and tight end, passed away at the age of 90. Yeah, he's actually the only player ever to be carried off Lambeau Field turf by the fans. So, okay, got 18 yard touchdown from Tobin wrote in the final minute to beat the Lions in the 1955 season opener and the fans stormed the field and they carried him off. And he was never seen again. No, he played quite a bit after that. Okay. I just so, want to make sure. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine anyone today like, oh, yeah, you beat the Lions. Congratulations. Although they're good this year, but just in general. They are. Uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um. Also passing away, one of the original members of the Velvets, Bertha Barbie McNeil, uh, passed away at the age of, uh, oh, sorry, uh, uh, at the age of 82. Uh, the Velvets are best known probably for their song, Needle in a Haystack, which peaked at number 45 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1964. So another one of those girl bands. One of the other members of the, uh, of the group was also Sandra Tilly, who went on to become one of the Vandellas backing up Martha. So, Other than that, what'd she do? Yeah, right. Um, also passing away, uh, Stanley Drucker. At the age of 93, one of the greatest, um, uh, one of the greatest clarinetists of all time, actually holds a record for most times, for longest time with a professional orchestra as a clarinetist anywhere in the United States or anywhere in the world, actually. Take that back. 
So he was in an orchestra as a clarinetist for 61 years. Wow, so 49, 49 is the first check. Uh, so he passed away at the age of 93. Um, there was also a fa favorite of Leonard Bernstein. So that, that, that means anything, I guess. Uh, also passing away, Rick Anderson, the drummer of the Tubes. Oh, uh, passed man. away. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, a he was, I'm sorry, not the not the not the drummer, the bassist of the tubes passed away at the age of 77. She's okay. She's a beauty. Okay, sorry. I don't know what's worse, the singing or the fact we might get sued before we get a sponsor to help <laughs> us pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh also passed away at the age of 55 from complications from a fall. Uh, Martin Duffy, <clears throat> keyboardist with uh, Felt and most famously Primal Scream. Uh, so, yeah, he passed away. A brain injury suffered from, from a fall at home. So, don't know what it was, but probably not good. Um, also passing away, Ian Templeton. Uh who was uh, the British drummer of the Laws? So the the drummer from the Laws oh, passed away. Yeah. Okay, I remember them. Yeah, so Laws are best known for "There She Goes," probably. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so he he also passed away. The Laws also once had a member named Bernie Nolan, so I of course like them. Um, also passing away. Uh, early, early rock guy, Charlie Gracie, uh, who had two hits in 1957, Butterfly and Fabulous, uh, passed away at the age of 86. I listened to both of them today. I've listened to a lot of old music. I listened to both of them today. I did not know either of them. But there, he was clearly one of the people transitioning from rockabilly to rock and roll, if that makes sense. One of those connectors. Yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, the two biggest names that passed away in, in music this week. Terry Hall passed away. Um, the lead singer mostly of a lot of bands, but mostly the Specials, which is a band I absolutely and utterly love. Uh, Me too. The, the, yeah, the Ska band. Um, I don't know what to say. Just I the, the Specials have always been one of my absolute favorite bands ever since I was a little, little kid. Um, but yeah, he uh, died of pancreatic cancer at 63. Uh, he was also in Fun Boy 3, which is another one a lot of people like. So, uh, But the biggest name that passed away in music this week, passed away today, actually, uh, Jamaican-born Tom Bell, uh, best known for his work with the Philadelphia Sound, particularly the Delphonics, Stylistics, and the Spinners, member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame, member of the music, inducted to the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum. As a child, he sang with his buddies were Kenny Gamble, Leon Huff, and Daryl Hall. But who else? Yeah, other than them, like the four of them just used to hang out on a street corner and sing together. Um, but he wrote, among other things, uh, God, what did he write? He wrote... Uh, Make up to break up to make up. You make me feel brand new. I'm stone in love with you. 
Uh, stop, look, listen to your heart. You are everything. Betcha by golly. Wow. Lala means I love you. Didn't I blow your mind this time for what she was nominated for Grammy Award? Uh, I'll be around. Could it be I'm falling in love? Games people play. And of course, my most favorite one of all, he wrote Rubber Band Man. Um, yeah, so he won the Grammy Award for Best Producer of the Year for that 1974. He also worked with Dionne Warwick, Johnny Mathis, Billy Paul, the Imperials, Denise Williams, James Ingram, um, Elton John, the Temptations, like a whole bunch of people. Uh, but yeah, he passed away at the age of 79. Uh, someone mm -hmm. online asked if this was going to help the spinners finally get to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The answer is probably not. Probably not. Um, but the spinners should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm just yes, going to say. They're high in my list. We, they, they, we were asked the other day if you could put two acts in, who would they be? And I put my most two predictable acts, which are uh, New Order and Patti LaBelle. Uh, but if New Order gets in, the spinners are the next band for me, just in case anybody cares. All right, then um, uh, a couple more people uh, passed away from football. I didn't miss this earlier. Ronnie Hillman, the running back for the uh, the Broncos, uh, who also played for the Vikings and Chargers, but they're on their Super Bowl 50 team, died at the age of 31 of uh, – uh, uh, what did he pass away of? I think cancer. I think it was leukemia, but I don't see it here. Yeah, 31 is far too young, but he played from oh, 2012 God, yeah. through 17. So then we had, we already talked about uh, Paul Silas uh, a little bit. So let's go through him. Do you have anything to say about Paul Silas? Uh, well, I thought this is more like a, for your thing because like he was a former Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Paul Silas was somebody who. When he passed away, I had to think about, like, was he in the... This is what I do. Is he already in the Hall of Fame? Because I couldn't remember. Yeah, he's one of those guys who's been around so long, you just presume he's in yeah. the Hall of Fame, but he's not. Um, three-time NBA champion, two-time NBA All-Star, two-time defensive first team, three-time defensive second team. He only averaged 9.4 points per game in his career. Um, but, yeah. We already talked about him a little bit. We may have talked about him last week as well. Yeah. Uh, but this one, go through it again quickly because he was nominated for the Hall of Fame as a, as a senior candidate. Which is kind of weird, too, because, like, he's a senior candidate, even though that some of the modern candidates uh, who are now first-time ballots are ABA people. Yeah. So, like, okay. Okay. I guess because his career started in the 60s, maybe. But his yeah, last year was yeah. his last year was 1980. So no, I know, but I mean like the like the whole thing, like that's also part of like why there's no rules in terms of anything that we're looking yeah. at. Yeah. Which is so I want to mention. Yeah, I just want to mention quickly again. Um no, for, for base, the biggest name we lost in baseball this week, Mr. Perfect, Tom Browning. Passed mm -hmm. away at the age of 62. Uh, yeah. Played mostly with the Reds. He's had finished his career one year with the Royals. But uh, pitched the 12th perfect game in baseball history in 1988. Also won the World Series of the Reds in 1990. Um, which which is, I think, the, like, the most incredible World Series win of any team. Yeah, that 1990 A's team was loaded. Right. So... 
And for Cincinnati to not just beat Oakland, but to sweep Oakland. Because they swept them. Like, and at, right after Oakland, they swept the Red Sox. Yeah. So, like, you look at the Cincinnati Reds team of 1990, there is one Hall of Famer in this, Barry Larkin. There is not going to be a second. No. You, you don't think Chris Sabo is getting in? I do not. I do not. But no, I mean, like, it is the most, to me, unbelievable sweep in any sport. Not yeah. just win, just sweep. That should never have happened. But it did. Yeah, the most amazing thing I think about Browning in the 90 World Series, by the way, mm-hmm. his wife was went into labor at the hospital during game two. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, and so he left the ballpark without telling anybody and went to the hospital with her. And mm-hmm. the game went to extra innings and Pinella realized he wasn't there. And the announcers issued a statement on the radio and TV asking him to return to the ballpark in case he had to pitch. And Browning heard the message mm-hmm. and ignored it and stayed with his wife. The Reds won that game in the 10th inning, so he wasn't needed. I always thought that was interesting. That doesn't have that's one of those pieces of uh of Hall of Fame trivia or like baseball trivia you just pick up and remember the story on. But yeah, he just his wife was his wife was uh pregnant, giving birth, and he's like, forget it, I'm out of here, guys. Yeah. I'm not pitching today. Do we know uh like I'm trying to think like that that whole world series is so fun fascinating to me. Is there anybody else who is even remotely close on Cincinnati being? Uh, I'll, I'll take a look. I'll take a look. Okay. By the way, he also came within one inning of pitching a second perfect game the very next year before. Do you remember Dickie Thon? Yeah, from Houston. I remember him. Yep. He was with the Phillies at that point, though, and he had okay, to double yeah. the lead off the ninth inning. But he almost pitched perfect games at back to back years. Uh, let's see here. Jose Rio. Is he still pitching somewhere? <laughs> I feel like he is. Um, he was great at that point, but uh, I mean, Lou Pinella, the manager, is probably your best chance. Norm Charlton, Randy Myers, Rob Dibble, the Nasty Boys. And here's um, the most fascinating thing: when when you're going through all that, the Detroit Tigers of 1984 took forever to get multiple Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. For Sparky Anderson, yeah, it took forever for Jack Morris, uh, Alan Trammell. Well, I guess just those two. Yeah. Let me see. I'm trying to get the rest of these guys here quickly. Uh, yeah, they went seven and zero in the playoffs that year. So their their main lineup was catcher Joe Oliver. First baseman, Todd Benzinger. Second baseman, Mariano Duncan. Shortstop, Barry Larkin. Third base, Chris Sabo. Left fielder, Billy Hatcher. Center fielder, Eric Davis. Right fielder and Hall of Famer for another team, Paul O'Neill. Not a Hall of Famer, but... Well, his number was just retired by the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, a, a hall, another team's Hall of Famer. Yeah, 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 okay. And then pitchers, Browning, Rio, Jack Armstrong, uh, 
uh, Rick Mahler, and, Norm Charles. And they swept Oakland. Yeah. Rob Dibble, Randy Myers. Holy crap. Okay. That's Don't forget Gino, Gino Minutelli. I've yes, forgotten. Already forgotten I, I said his name and you've already forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> to, to back you up, the Oakland A's of that year Terry Steinbach, Mark McGuire, Willie Randolph, Walt Weiss, Carney Lansford, Ricky Henderson, Dave Henderson, Jose Kidseco, and Harold Baines. So already two of those guys are in the Hall of Fame McGuire and Kidseco, absent drug use, probably would be. Um, pitchers Rick Honeycutt, Dave Stewart, Todd Burns, Dave Otto, Joe Clink, uh, hold on, and of course, Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, where's Zach? Uh, yeah, Bob Welch, Scott Sanderson, some real good other guys, Mike Moore. So, but yeah, and uh, the bench, don't forget, Willie McGee was on that bench, Felix Jose. Wow, okay, all right, part, part, of, part of my favorite name chain of the of baseball players. Ken Griffey Jr. Felix Jose Canseco. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I've had that in my head for years. I also have the uh, the hat for Red October Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow. Man, good thing you have a show for this shit, huh? I know. It's my brain is does this all the time. Anyway, so yeah. that was that was Browning. Uh, but we have to get to the biggest name of the week. Kind of shocking, honestly, because of all of the people in Pro Football Hall of Fame. He seemed the healthiest. Like when you saw him, Franco Harris mm. just seemed like he was in way better shape than most of those other guys when they came to everything. But he uh, was 72. He was 72. He wasn't that old comparatively, I guess for football players, maybe. But yeah, he passed away in his sleep. Uh, his number was gonna, is going to be retired on Sunday. Yeah. And I, which is a which is a reminder. Retire the numbers early. Why is the Steelers waiting fifty years after the immaculate reception to retire Franco Harris's number? It's a great question, and there is no great answer. Hmm. So there he was four-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, the NFL Man of the Year, which is the Walter Payton Award. Uh, before Walter Payton, it was named after him. Uh, three-time All-Pro, uh, nine-time Pro Bowler, rushing touchdowns leader, member of the All-Decade team, um, Pro Football Hall of Fame, Pittsburgh Pro Football Hall of Fame, Steelers All-Time team, Steelers Hall of Honor, and his number is going to be retired. Mm-hmm. But other than that, what did he do? Yeah. As much as I, like, I, I look to see what teams do and to, with – their post-career accolades. Pittsburgh has done a poor job. Mm-hmm. And this is like one of those examples. Like, uh, this should have happened years ago. Yep. Uh, and I, there's no way to, anyone can say that that should not have happened. We're not talking about a player who was mediocre in terms of what happened we're talking about a player who was a four-time super bowl champion who was the man who caught the immaculate reception this is someone who should have a statue yeah outside of three rivers tell me i'm wrong 
No, and Pittsburgh has a history of doing this because this Stargell mm-hmm. at least got to see his open. When they opened PNC Park, they had a statue of Stargell in front, and he died two days later. So this has happened several times in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but he died suddenly. They, I haven't seen how yet. Uh, but he passed away allegedly in his sleep. So, Which is unfortunate because like Pittsburgh also, too, has a great reputation of being a, one of the best sports cities in the United States. Agreed. In terms of fandom. So this should also, also the most also the most committed city to one color scheme. If you're not black, yellow, and white, they're not interested in having you in the black city. and yellow, black and yellow. Okay, yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got the Steelers, the Penguins, and the uh, the yeah. Pirates, all the same. So you know, saying that, uh, that that's neither here nor there. So uh, Franco, like you were one of the first running backs that I was aware of as a legend so yeah um, so, Godspeed. yep i was just looking he was the 13th pick in the 1972 draft and of those third of all the players drafted that year only mm-hmm. two of them are hall of famers and he was a don't ask me who they are who are they well once i gave you one one is franco harris okay the other was finally elected very recently, Cliff Branch. Hmm. Those are the only two people out of that entire draft, which went many, many rounds. Uh, the number one draft pick that year, defensive end out of Notre Dame, Walt Potolsky. You remember Who? him? Walt Potolsky. Not familiar with him. Yeah. So I don't know. Look at these front for a whole group of people. There's really nobody. Where like, oh, that person should be in. So anyway, all right, let's move on. Do you want to go to your elevator down quickly? Yeah. Uh, so elevator up was already some of the people we talked about in the Pro Bowl. So elevator down. I'm just going to go really quickly on the WWE, and uh, you're not watching any of that recently, are you? No. Okay. Uh, okay. So long story short, uh, there's a female wrestler named Lacey Evans. Okay. All right, now, won't you Google her if you can? Or, um, well, all right, well, so am I going to get in trouble with my wife for this? No, no, not at all. Uh, so Lacey Evans, is uh, she's been with the WWE for, for a bit, was a Vince McMahon favorite. And okay. There's... All right, what this stuff, Billy? I, I, I can see what's going on here, so continue. All right. Hot, blonde, tall, but she can kick ass because she, her legit background, legit, was when she was in the army. Okay. Right. So, like, she's not like 5'2, five 5'3. Five she's like probably 5'8, five 5'9. Five yep. You know, decent shoulders, can can kick ass. All right. So, there, there have been some sort of trouble, but she was a Vince favorite. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, remember I said like uh, uh, when Vince sort of like got kicked out or whatever, like who's elevator up? Everybody. Right. Shouldn't have said that. Here's someone who was a Vince favorite who is now Vince isn't there. Now her character is a mess. All right. They don't know what to do with her. And here's what she did on Instagram. Now, for all of you who are anti-vaxxers, very fine. Because you can say, like, if you're an anti-vaxxer, 
what's going to happen in 10 years? Do you know? I guess we don't. Fair. We can, however, say that we know what's going to happen if about autism. Mm -hmm. So she shared something that was something that uh, somebody who was associated with uh, Alex Jones, where it was okay. You know how come there's no uh, autism because before 1980? How come there's no ADHD before 1980 on Instagram? Yeah, not too smart. Because I think we all know that this shit exists. All of us do. Well, she put that out there and then sort of like her double down was, well, you know, it's because of uh, processed food. And people sort of like pointed out that she did a commercial for corn dogs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's a 35 year old woman who. is already on the wrong side of her company. Mm -hmm. Who said something colossally stupid based on, I don't give a shit how far right you are. You're not gonna, if you're that far right and you sort of like say, I don't know, maybe she's right on something. Like, come on. What do you do with this? Like, are we in the point where in 2022 that we think that autism doesn't exist? Yeah. Is that where we are? We know what fucking exists. And you're going to put out an an anti-autism conspiracy theory? What the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, there are a lot of things. I've heard this. Why didn't sleep apnea exist in the past? And the people are like, well, you ever hear people dying in their sleep? That was why, because they didn't know what the hell they were doing yet. Mm-hmm. As as stuff advances, we find out how things work. As we find out how things work, there's more stuff we find out what it is. This is what it comes down to. Yeah. We didn't know as much in 1980 as we do now. So yeah, so I mean, like something. So for her to double down on something that stupid when she doesn't have a boss who's going to protect her. It's a pretty big elevator down to me. Which is unfortunate because she can actually wrestle. And it's also double unfortunate because a lot of people will look at that and say, well, like, oh, look at that. She's uh, clearly a Trumpist. I don't know if she's a Trumpist or not. Right. No idea. But that's how we think now, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't know, uh, like it, that was really stupid. <laughs> That's my elevator down. Cool, I understand. Yeah. So I don't know what your uh, good, bad, and ugly are. I'm kind of pumped here. What are they? All right, we'll start with the good this week, uh, just because there isn't a ton we're, to say. We're not finishing with the good? We're going to start with the good. Okay. All right. This week. Um, 
just because there are a couple of things we've already sort of talked about it. So a couple of things that you one thing you brought up from uh, from the uh, Patriots. There's a viral video of a Patriots fan getting verbally abused by a Raiders fan in the Raiders game. We'll get more on this game later. Um, That's why we have an ugly section. Um, you know, I want you to do good, ugly, and then bad for this week. Um, but he just being screamed in his face, hands waved in his face. She was looking, hoping he would punch her or something. And he just waved off his first ever game. Uh, and it went viral. Bob Kraft saw it and is getting him tickets to his second ever game this week in Foxborough against the on to Cincinnati Bengals, which is what I was wishing that, uh, that uh, Belichick would have said after that loss. So, um, can, can I point out a couple things here on that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So like, that was something that uh, t- today my my wife and I we were going on to uh, like something really cool here in Winnipeg. Uh, this great arboretum that I'm going to take you to whenever you visit us here. And I showed because she's a Patriots fan. That's also why you like her more than me. Fair enough. Yeah. And I showed her that and just how the class of this guy just did nothing, you know, while this woman was doing that. And I think we should give some props to the to the husband of that guy who was holding her back, like, stop embarrassing me. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He would just it's hard. I mean, you see all the fights of fans in the stadium. It's hard to keep them cool, particularly when that is happening. So yeah, and, and and he did in enemy territory, and I thought that was awesome. And then I I showed her the tweet of what Robert Kraft did, and I said like, okay, I'm not a Saints person, but I can see why you're a Patriots person. This is why, and this is what you say to people. Yeah, I will say he is the best part of Patriots fandom because we have yeah. some jack holes just like everybody else um yeah but but yeah no it was it was very very impressive so yeah well and i I guarantee you that if we were to talk to our friend wayne mabry the violator wayne would have said "Uh uh-uh yeah oh i know well i mean wayne is also i mean the raiders fan base looks terrifying but it's actually very very nice (laughs) so and wayne is a perfect example of that this is just one drunk person I'm not taking her for Raiders fan base either. No, absolutely not. So like, but yeah, that was something I was hoping you were going to bring up and just uh, craft. That was a class move. And yeah. So the other thing I want to bring up is uh, another pro bowler. We did not talk about first time pro bowler, uh, Jeremy Reeves. Yes, please. Of the Washington commanders. I just want to read you. A transaction log. You ready? This is a man who's yeah. a Pro Bowl starter as a special teamer in the NFC. June 11th of 18, signed as an undrafted free agent with the Eagles. Not first of uh, first of September of 18, waived. 12th of September 18, signed to the practice squad in Washington. 18th of September 18, released from practice squad. I'll just well, without going to dates. Signed to practice squad. Signed the active roster. Waived, signed to practice squad, signed to the active roster. Uh, so I, uh, waived, signed to the practice squad, signed to the active roster. Waived, signed to the practice squad, signed the active roster. 
return to the practice squad, sign the active roster, return to the practice squad, sign the active roster, return to the practice squad, sign the active roster, return to the practice squad, and was finally signed to the active roster full time in January of this year with the with the commanders. Yep, yep. And so one of those guys who has worked his butt off just to make a team, worked his butt off as a special teamer, undrafted, I think out of South Alabama, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. uh, and is now a Pro Football Hall of Famer. If you haven't seen the video, the commanders uh, issued the video with Ron Rivera sharing the news with all, all the players. And uh, yep. who was it? Allen, uh, who was also uh, also a pro bowler. Uh, found out that Reeves made it, was super excited for him. And he's like, well, I'm going to tell him after the defensive team meeting. He's like, pull him out of there. Tell him now. And he's like, now I'm going to tell him after the meeting. He's like, well, can I be in the room when you do it? He's like, yeah, sure, you can be in the room, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, so just I like it when guys who have worked their butt off to chase a dream get rewarded for it. I honestly didn't know Jeremy Reeves because I don't pay attention to the special teamers on the Washington Commanders. Uh, yeah, yeah, but just cheers to you, sir. Congratulations on making. He just lost his mom this off season, um, so just good, good for you. So I just wanted to say that. All right, the bad, or let's just go the ugly because we already sort of touched on it. The ending of that Patriots Raiders game. So I'm gonna. The obvious thing we're gonna talk about is the Jacoby Myers decision. Um, But before that, the Patriots never should have been in that situation because he game time touchdown. The guy was out of bounds. He had one foot down inbounds and one foot out of bounds. But because the color of his shoes were black in the middle and white on the edge, which is the same as the black of the end zone and white on the edge end line of the, or the sideline of the Raiders uh, end zone, even though everyone in the stadium could see he was out of bounds, they never got a definitive view. And they called it a touchdown because it was called a touchdown on the field. He said he called it incomplete. It would have been incomplete on the field. This is dumb. If they can't get something as simple as was somebody inbounds or not, what are we doing? They have, they have, that, they have that technology now for offsides in – in soccer, why can't we have the same technology in the NFL for a sideline? It's just ridiculous. So, first of all, that should never have happened. A terrible call. Technically, the Patriots have lost two games this year because of terrible calls uh, on the, at the end zone. Um, but regardless, that play at the end of the game, they hand it to Stevenson. Stevenson's just supposed to go down. He panics when he gets to the fr- – like, he ran 20 yards. Had someone finally try and tackle him, he gets through that guy, he's gone. But instead, he panics, gives it to Jacoby Myers, and then Jacoby Myers really panics and throws the ball backwards 15 yards halfway across the field to hit Chandler Jones right in the hands. Chandler Jones was a Patriot, but not recently. <laughs> uh, and then Mac Jones made a business decision in trying to tackle him. Uh, he tried to go low to get his legs. I'm not blaming him. He tried to go low to get his legs, and Chandler anticipated that, put his hand on him, and just ran into the end zone to win the game with no time left. 
It's been called the dumbest play in NFL history. That is not true because it was someone acting, trying to make a play at the end of a game. It's not as dumb as, as the Colts weird formation. Oh, I'm, yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Snap where they had the, the uh, one random player, a special teamer in the center or the long snapper, mm-hmm. and then yep. all of the nine players on the left sideline. And they snapped the ball. That's still the dumbest play because it was somehow designed that way. He wasn't supposed to snap it, but just the design of that thing was stupid anyway. Agreed. I agree. I agree with you. But this is one of, and we also had what's his name run the wrong way to get it for an end zone with the Vikings uh, way back in the seventies. Right? I can't think of his name. Jim Marshall. Yeah, Marshall. Right. Like that's also not the greatest. Uh, but this was this was pro- the, this was the worst play in Patriots history. Without any, without any question about it, it's going to live on blooper reels forever. I feel bad because I wish it were a different wide receiver than Jacoby Myers, who's another one of those guys undrafted, worked his way up, the most consistent receiver on the team. Um, but he's going to have to live with this for a while. So that was the ugly. So we're closing with the bad. Close with the bad. Wow! Wow! There are now 12 teams in Major League Baseball who have payrolls with when added up is less than the amount of money the Mets gave out this offseason. Is that Bobby Bonilla? No, it's their entire Carlos Correa. So I was like, they, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they, oh, you haven't been paying attention to this? <laughs> I'm working on it, go on. Oh, my goodness. So the Mets payroll, when you add in the the um, penalty for the competitive balance tax or whatever, is going to be north of $400 million next year. It's already going to be three-something. They're going to pay $111 million in tax, the, re- the revenue-sharing tax. I'm not saying this is bad for the Mets. I'm not saying it's bad for the sport. What I'm going to say is it's bad for cheap-ass owners who don't want to spend on their teams. Okay. I'm looking at you, Mr. Illich, in Detroit. I'm looking at the current people in Boston who, to be fair, spend a lot of money on terrible players. Uh, they're going to, they are still probably going to be the luxury tax next year and finish – I'm going to say if they finish with a 400, 40% winning percentage, I will be shocked with how bad that team is. The Red Sox. Like, there are a lot of cheap ass owners Oakland, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Arizona, Colorado. These are people who have a ton of money and have been crying poor so they can own a team and get the taxpayers to pay for stuff. And the current owner of the Mets just came out and was like, fuck that. I don't care. I want to win. And if you don't want to, that's more wins for us. And they won't win either. Oh, who knows? They may not win. I mean, the, they and the, and the Dodgers are on a, are a march for this, right? But like. Yeah. I, I'll put it right there. The Mets will not win. They will find a way to lose. Fine. Okay, but they're at least right or wrong. wrong. I'm just saying. 
you cannot blame their owner and GM for not doing everything they can to get there. No, I agree. Which I, is I, all, which is all as a fan you can hope for. Sure. Right. And I could be way off. I, oh. I, I'm just going with my spidey sense. Yeah. I, I, I don't have any anger against the Mets anymore. Yeah. We've won too many world series since 86. So it doesn't bother me anymore. It's now been what? No, so don't go by me. I lose every bet to Evan. That's true. It's been 37 years since the Mets won. If they, if the Mets became the dominant team, hmm. if the Mets became the dominant team in New York and the Yankees just continue not to, that would make my life. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's very bad for cheap ass owners. Uh, it may end up with some more competitive balance stuff or maybe a salary cap, although I can't imagine with how strong that union is, that's going to work. So we'll see. It's just very, very bad for some very, very cheap-ass people. So that's all I'll say on that. All right. Well, with that, I guess we're uh, going to close off a few things here. Uh, so again, thank you for all who participated in our show in terms of our Pro Football Hall of Fame mock committee. That, that meant a lot to us. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So all of you who are part of that, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we're hoping that we're going to go with that a little bit more in terms of fandom, right? Like like Evan, like, like what are we trying to do? We're trying to get like people from fan bases that we don't really have. I mean, and who don't necessarily look like us either. Yeah. yeah, no, no, very much so. So, basically, if you're a woman, we want you. Not sexually, but we want you. I'm gonna put that out there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So do, do the Uncle Sam way. We want you to be on our podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's true though. Like, like that is something that we're missing. We're missing that type of demographic, and we want to continue to make that as diverse as possible. Uh, all right, just the other promotion things that I've done. Uh, Chris Bernay and I, we've just done a show where we looked at learning the ropes. Ever heard of that? I'm sorry? Learning the ropes. Uh, no, that one I do not know. Yeah. So he and I, we do a show about uh, how the hell is this crap going national television? So Lyle Alzado, you know who that is. That I do, or who yes. he was, anyway. Yes. Well, Lyle did a show about uh, being a pro wrestler who was uh, also a teacher. How does that sound to you? Sounds pretty much like the alternate uh, plot for The Substitute. I don't know what that is, but this sounds oh, nice. Never mind. The Continue. The Substitute is a... Uh, a early 90s movie about a substitute teacher who's really a hard ass that comes into inner city school and you know sets the kids straight at one point he uh it's a kid drink a glass bottle and he has a yo-yo and he uses a yo-yo as a weapon to break the bottle in the kid's hand that's okay, about that's, all i remember from that sounds like lean on me yeah but it's a white person in these schools as opposed to a black person home i see who's in the substitute okay well lyle's a white person and this show still sucked and he had fair enough video. Yeah, it's it's Tom Berenger in 1980, 1996. Tom Berenger, Ernie Hudson, and Mark Antony. Oh, well, this is Lyle Alzado in 1988, and we ripped on this shit. As we should. 
So that's also going to be coming up. Uh, on the other show that you've been a guest on, I think you have been a guest on this. Uh, mm-hmm. How the hell did this go number one? We I have been. Yes, Uptown Funk. Nice. So that's coming up soon. Uh, the one we're going to do for the first time for next year, maybe you want to be on this, uh, One Bad Apple, The Osmonds. Uh, yeah, that one, that one I can skip. I don't have much to say about The Osmonds. So. None of us do. <laughs> None of us do. But there are also three other shows that I'm working on in the infancy of this. So either way, if you were a fan of the Bucknerverse, and thank you. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, there's going to be a lot more coming. So with that, wherever you are, wherever you may be, stay safe, everyone. Take care.